We thank the Lord once again for bringing us here to hear his word. I trust that um, God would speak to your heart, he'll speak to your mind, and he would give you strength to receive the word that he has for you today. If you happen to have a two-pound coin in your pocket, you might be lucky that as you look at the side of the coin, not the top or the bottom, but the side of the coin, you see a quote from Isaac Newton. Um, it reads or it states that, If I have seen further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. Today we have before us a question, a very, very important question. But this question needs to be answered. Before we answer this question, we have to understand that the answer is going to be built on the foundation of what has been said or taught in the last two weeks. The first being God. That there is a God that rules the affairs of men. There is a God that created the world. There is a God that exists as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the first foundation upon which I'll be building the answer to this question. The next is the Word of God. We believe there is a God, and that God has given us a rule that guides how we lead our lives. And the answer I'm giving to us today is not based on my emotion, based on my experience, or what the world is saying. No, it's based on the Word of God. And if you get an answer from someone else that is not based on the answer is given to you on God or the Word of God, that answer will not last you a lifetime. It will melt as the dew fades away with the sun rising. But again, the question, does God love me? It's very important. It's also natural. It's natural to ask that question. If you were a grandmother, or a grandfather, or a mother, and your son comes to you and asks you, does daddy love me? You'll be concerned. You will hold that question seriously. What has happened? What has he seen or heard that makes her or him ask, does daddy love me? This is beyond the realm of humanity. This is a question that relates directly to the one that made the whole world. Does God, the creator, the one that holds the world in the palm of his hand, does he love you? Not just the whole world, it's personal. Does that God love you? If you think about the world we live in right now, you might have found yourself with a pandemic, with a recession, with the weather changing, with the wars going on. You're wondering, does God love you? And that's natural. And to be loved is expected. Yes, it's expected. Everyone wants to be loved. No matter how rich you are, how powerful you are, your class in society, you want to be loved. Even when you're wicked and heartless, you want to be loved. Imagine a man 
that killed six million, not six hundred, six million Jews. This man wants to be loved. His name is Adolf Hitler. In fact, he got married. He married a woman called Eva. They got married and unfortunately they both passed away under two under three days or four days of they getting married. And that's natural. That a man so heartless, a man that felt so superior to all else, could still want love, a basic desire, a natural instinct. And even we in our time as youths, as adults, we desire love on social media. When you post a message, when you upload a video, you want to be loved. You want that like, you want that subscribe, you want that positive feedback that keeps you going. It's natural. For the youth, it's natural. For those who are old, it's natural. For your young ones, your granddaughter, your grandchild to love you, it's natural. So being loved or seeking to get love is natural. But today is beyond the love that exists at this level is beyond the love that we experience in a family. The love that exists between you, a married man and a married woman. Romantic love is beyond the love you experience with your friend. It's a love that is unconditional. And as we go into this question, I'm trusting God that we'll be able to give ourselves an answer. It might not be what you want to hear. It might not make you feel better. But at least it's the truth. For the Bible says, And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall do what? Sets you free. But I want to give you a very quick thing to illustrate to you how I want to approach this message. You see, in my career, in my work, when someone comes to me with a health question, I get back to them with 5, 10, 15 questions to try to understand what it is they are asking and how to provide the right answer or the right treatment as the case may be. And right now I want to give us some questions that will help us understand and help us handle or possibly answer correctly the question before us. The first thing you realize is this, in life or your life can fall into one of these three categories, might fall into it, might not. So don't feel offended if I don't find a category to put your life into. But if you do find yourself in this category, I'm not picking on you, no. I'm here to just help us understand this question and hopefully by the grace of God and by the Spirit of God we're able to get an answer. Life for you can be good. It could be bad. And it could be downright ugly. For you, life can be very good. You might look at your life and say, I have a superior race. The Nazis then they felt they were from a superior race. You might find yourself having a skin color that makes you feel more superior. You are given birth to in a family that has prestige. They have wealth. They are recognized and famous across Aberdeen, beyond Scotland, beyond the UK. You have fame at your fingertips. You are well educated. You've been to the finest of schools in the UK. And most likely, money for you is not an issue. We are talking about recession right now, but for you, it's not a big deal. You have millions in your account. You have, you have shares 
all secured somewhere else. You have homes here and there. You feel secured. You feel happy. For you, life is good. And you're hoping it will get better. Not just for you alone, but for your children and your great-grandchildren. But then there is a problem. There is a void in your heart. With all the money you have, all the wealth you have, all the expertise and connection you've amassed over the years, there's a void in your heart, an emptiness in your soul. You're drunk hoping you'll find hope at the bottom of the bottle, but there is no hope. You are hoping that if you had a bigger house, a more luxurious home, a more expensive car. You feel if you go for a more exotic holiday, it will fill that void. You've pumped money. You've pumped psychology. You've pumped everything and pump into it, life coach. But at the end of the day, you realize that this void, not getting better, is getting worse, getting bigger. And that may be your life. That everything appears to be right. But still, there is this void in your heart. There is this emptiness in your soul. And I'm praying that as you get an answer today, that answer will fill that void by the grace of God. But you see, that life makes me wonder. That is not what was said in the Bible. Vanity of, upon vanity is what? Vanity, a bubble that bursts. Is that your life? You've tried all you could. You've tried plastic surgery to feel more, more pretty. Hoping that when you look more younger, 10 years younger, it will make you feel happy. It will fill that void. You've gone an extra mile and said, let me change my sex. I was born a male. Let me become a few. Maybe I'll feel complete. Or the other way around. All this has failed you. And today, you are wondering, does God love me? On the horizontal plane, everything looks okay. But on the vertical plane, between you and your creator, there is this void. And you are wondering, does God, the creator, you are happy you have experienced some love from your friends and your children and your colleagues at work. But you still, still feel this void and you wonder, can God fill the void that matter cannot fill? Maybe yours is different. Your life has been bad. I mean bad. It's like you are branded for badness. You were born unexpected, unwanted. Your mom tried her best to abort you, but she failed. She dumped you for adoption. You landed in a foster home and you moved from place to place. In the process, you become the victim of serial sexual abuse and now you find a permanent residence in a brothel where you live and walk everything you've gotten in life everything you have though little came at a price a hug a kiss 
a card they were not free they came at a price and you're wondering man has failed me life has failed me you believe there's a God because you have to hold on to something to keep you going and I said if there is a God there does he love me you're not concerned right now about the ephemeral love of man or the love of material your biggest concern is does the creator you've looked into your past you've looked into your future there is no light at the end of that tunnel you've looked at pleasure you know first-hand experience there's no life there is no true love that any human being can give you that will satisfy that would make you feel clean, make you feel happy, make you feel fulfilled in life. It will give you identity. And you're wondering, does God love me? I think that question is valid. And I think God deserves to give you an answer. We'll get there very shortly. The last ones, the ugly, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You see, there's a common saying that the grass is greener on the other side. The grass is always greener on the other side. Outside the fold. Outside the fellowship of the believers, outside the kingdom, outside salvation, outside the covering of the blood, lies the good, lies the bad. But within the kingdom, here you are, you are saved. Life in a way, since you got saved, has been good. Men look at you in envy. How do you maintain your moral stand? How do you find life the way it is? There you are, you're married to a responsible, God-fearing wife or God-fearing husband. Here you are, you have kids that would come to church and hear the word of God with you. Your job seems okay. Everything seems seemingly, seemingly perfect. And people look at you. Your life is like he or she that has Christ in his ship. Christ is in that ship. Christ is in that home. Christ is in that heart. Your heart. And we expect that things would be okay. And indeed, it has been okay for a long time. Until suddenly, with Christ in your ship, with Christ in your home, with Christ in your heart, the storm begins to rage. And you're wondering, where is Christ? 
obviously sleeping. The storm is raging. Things are getting bad. You're walking on water, doing what seems impossible, desperate moral chaos, and you're sinking. I am wondering how come I'm a Christian. My expectation, based on my thinking, is that once I am saved, once I gave my life to Christ and I commit my life to Him, everything, <coughs> underline that word, everything should be perfect. And you are wondering, does God still love me? What have I done wrong? Maybe I didn't pray enough. Maybe I didn't read the Bible well enough. Maybe I didn't preach enough. You're drifting back to works. Maybe my good deeds is not enough, even though I'm saved. Maybe I'm not paying my tithes. And you ask that question. Why me? Why me? Have you had an experience in life? They come like a flood. Something happens in the home. Within a few weeks, something worse happens. By the third week, something even greater happens. And it lasts for a season. And your wife asks you, honey, she knows God loves her, but she's wondering, does God really still love the family? And I'm sure you can relate. I can relate. I've had experiences that you would wonder if God is on a holiday. Or he has changed his mind about you. If God loves you. It's important that we refine our expectation of what we call love. It's important we try to just oppose what we as human call love. What we as Christians expect love or God's love to look like I want to read to us from the scriptures um, I want to read a, a verse in the gospels and that's in John chapter 11 I want to read verse 3 it's a very I like to believe a relatively um, familiar story about someone that Jesus loves. He loved him then, he still loves him now. He's Lazarus. I want to read from verse 3 because of time. It says, Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, 
he whom thou lovest is sick. Verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified therefore. Verse 6. When he had heard therefore that he was sick, he did what? He hurried to the plain and rushed down there. Now, the natural expectation is that your wife is in labor. You've been told your wife is in labor. Your first baby is coming out in the next five minutes. And somehow, for some reason, you slept off and you've been called. That your wife is in labor. And the first thing you do is do what? Have a snooze. Yeah, if you get home, you'll be in trouble when she sees you. No. You dash down there. That's love, isn't it? Our love needs to act fast, here and now. But Christ said what? In verse 6, He abode two days, still in the same place where he was. What was bad got worse. But the focus was the glory of God. The focus was the glory of God. And I pray as we move on in the question, we will come to realize gradually that when we talk about what God's love looked like, it's nice to remember very quickly what God's love does not look like. God is not a rich and big Father Christmas. It's very, very likely we might regress in our mind and assume that God is like your grandparent. No, He's not. God is not out there to meet your need like you would when you go to a machine and you just press the button and all you want, He gives to you. That's not God. You might hear people preach on the internet and tell you that the God you serve is a rich God. And once you come to him, he will make you rich. He will take away all your diseases. Yes, he can. But don't force him to do it if he doesn't want to do it. But the point is, is beyond that. Human needs are insatiable. Your needs change as you age. When you were younger, your, your key need as a young chap or a young lady is quite different from when you are married. As a young chap, your, your needs primarily revolves around pleasure. What makes you happy? The friends, the uploading the likes in social media, the popularity, your masculinity, how you're becoming more like a man, more like a lady, and things in between. But as you age, you get married, 
you realize you can't jump from here, there, and not even not careful break a bone. You begin to reevaluate your priorities, and then at that stage you are trying to make some money. How do I take care of myself? Get a house and the likes of those. And as you age beyond that, you're thinking, how can I leave a legacy behind? How can I leave something of value for my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren? It changes. But there is a need that runs to the core of your existence. It is the need that God has put into you when God in the beginning made man. Does God love you? Does God love me? Understand that question came too late. This question you are asking came too late. So if God had to wait for you to answer that question, you probably would not have enough response that will make a difference on your life. God had thought about you before you were born. God had looked at your situation, looked at your needs, I mean the need of the entire human race, and God began to make a plan. We don't have much time, but we're itching to get an answer to that question. To be blunt, you're asking, does God hate you? To be sincere with you, in Psalm 11, God is angry with the wicked every day. That's the truth. And I did remind you at the beginning that God, being God, prioritizes the truth and the truth might not make you happy. Happiness is about what happens. I'm talking about something beyond the happiness. I'm talking about the peace of God that passes all understanding. I'm talking about what will keep you going. But when the going is tough, there's something in you that keeps you going. But when everyone is seeing the worst, you are seeing the best of God in every situation. Because we know that all things work together for good. For them that love the Lord and for as men that are called according to his what? Purpose. How do I know that God loves me? And that's the question. Let's take a different approach to this question. How do I know that God loved me? And I said to you earlier on, your, your, your timing is late. Because in Romans 5 verse 8, the Bible says that in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. God had seen your need before you were even born. And God had made a provision for your peace, for your joy, by giving the most unquantifiable person the Godhead for your peace. If God were to deal with you 
based on your deeds, based on your existence, you would not stand the test of time. You will be guilty as charged because in iniquity, Mamina can save me. By birth, we are sinners. Our forefathers, Abraham, or rather Adam, had given us this inheritance. But God in his love, his love revealed at creation. God so much loved you that God made the world. He made every single thing you would need in the world. He now puts you, human, the crown of his creation. And you ask me, does God love you? I wish you lived in Mars. Then you would appreciate what you have. I wish you found yourself unable to reason like the animals. And you appreciate what God has given to you. I wish you appreciate how expensive it would be if you and I had to pay for the air we breathe every day. Then you understand that indeed God loves you. You can't exist without air. But here it is, God has given it to you. If you went to the moon, you cannot stay as you are. You'll be dead instantly and you ask does God love you but that is just nothing compared to what God did the Bible says in John 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth whosoever believeth will have what eternal life. God loves you. You will not see a thunder or hear a thunder strike or lightning because I've read you those statements. No. The truth needs no introduction. The truth needs no introduction. It is timeless truth. A truth that existed as creation. A truth that holds this world we live in in perfect order. And God's love didn't just stop when Christ was born. God's love went beyond any love you have ever experienced. I want you to think about it this way. You are in your late teens, early twenties, a lady you are, and you come across this Prince Charming that sweeps you off your feet, but the flies in your tummy whenever you see this gentleman come true. You say you're in love. And you're going for a program together at the venue, you were trapped in the building and engulfed in flames. Your Prince Charming runs away to save his life. And a stranger 
less handsome, less built, risk his life with a 5% chance of survival to rescue you. If they ask you to choose, would you marry? Would you still marry that first chap? Would you? God knows. But you might feel that is a form of love, isn't it? Am I right? The firemen will risk their life every day doing the same thing. For them, they don't love you. It's just a job. It's just a job. If you come to me and I treat you, I do my best. So, oh, it saved my life. I'm just doing my job. I'm being paid for my job. It's not love. Don't miss it. But somebody came. He came from glory. He came with one purpose. To be shamed. To be disgraced. Humiliated. Beaten. Forty times save one. He severed a relationship. That has been before there was a beginning. Just for you. That he could destroy. And recreate. That is love. To set you free from that emptiness. To set you free from sin. That is love. For God to love the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him. Should not perish. But have everlasting love. Does God love you? How do I know that God loves me? The expression of God's love for you is not determined by events in the present or the future. It had been determined by an event that happened over a thousand years ago on the cross. When Christ died, a shameful death on the cross, he was buried, he resurrected for your justification. For those who are Christians, there are times when you might have an experience in life that makes you wonder if God still loves you. And I want to share something I think you could walk with. Um, I'm sure you've probably heard about the um, um, <coughs> Bloom's um, taxonomy. It's about what we call the lots and the hots. The lower order thinking skills and the higher order thinking skills. I'm sure those of you in uni might have an idea of that concept. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom, Analysis, evaluation, synthesis. It's the way we think as scientists, as academicians, and we do dive into it at different points. But I want to show something different, something beyond the lots and the hots. I call it the dots. A divine order thinking skill. Philippians 4 verse 8. When you find yourself going through Events as Christians, as someone that's been born again, what do you do? The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 8, 
and I read from here Philippians 4 verse 8 it says finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on those things if you're saved and you find yourself in experiences or events or a cycle of thoughts or emotion that make you want to doubt if God loves you think about things that are pure fill your heart with God's word and if you are not yet saved you've not seen the cross you've not experienced Calvary you've not given your life as it is to Christ then the first thing to do is to give your heart to Christ because he died for you in conclusion does God love me? yes God loves you his love is evident and expressed in creation his love is evident and expressed on the cross his love is evident in the comfort of scriptures and of the Holy Spirit but I have for you one question before we pray do you love God? God has done his own beat he loves you he's shown it before you were born he's shown it in everything around you but do you do you love God let us pray Lord we thank you for this day that you've made we thank you for your expression of love in ways that transcend humanity we've seen your love for us on the cross Christ died for sinners of whom we are chief we pray for those who are here asking that question I pray your spirit will take these words and speak to their hearts that they will realize that before they were ever born God has answered that question and for those who are saved giving their heart and their life to Christ and they find themselves at odd times sometimes constantly wondering why me I pray God you would give them grace to find comfort in scriptures and the Holy Spirit Amen, Amen.